darkness will fall. The moon will rise. Ethereal clouds will slide across the atmosphere. Dim orange lights will flicker from inside the equally orange round spheres of jack-o'-lanterns. Everywhere you look, there will be ghouls, goblins, zombies, and vampires. Maybe even a superhero or two. On the night of October 31st, we all get a chance to put on a bit of a mask, to pursue our fantasies, to explore our fears. It's Halloween, one of my most favorite times of year. But exactly why do we do what we do? Why do children feel safe enough to break that one rule? Never talk to strangers. All for the sake of the other part of that rule, to get free candy. Why is it that we dress up? Why is it that we wear strange clothes and do our best to terrify our friends and neighbors? Why do we collect candy? On this episode of Urban Legends Unmasked, we'll be looking at the origins of Halloween and what does it mean for modern day. I'm your host, Chad Lerman. There's any number of things that go with Halloween and things that are fun and innocent. And there's also the darker side of things. I think it's interesting that in today's time, we find that uh, Halloween is, like many things, controversial. That there are those who believe it is truly demonic, truly evil. That anybody who partakes in it is sinning. That is, that they are turning from um, the righteous and holy ways. And then there are those who believe that it is simply a, a lark, a fun thing to do. It's, it's interesting to take on a different identity for a day, to find a, a cool costume that you can show off to your friends and neighbors that, um, you know, cut loose a little bit, have some fun. And so the truth of it is, is that I think somewhere in between is where we find Halloween. Um, now, to really understand what this holiday is all about, I think it's important that we look back to its, its foundations. And its foundations go back quite a ways. Um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about the sociocultural impact of Halloween today, um, because, you know, that's important. But to understand this, we need to understand that it actually originated uh, as a festival called Samhain, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So it looks like Samhain, Samhain. I don't understand Gaelic or Celtic language, but I just know that's the way it's supposed to be done. So in the Celtic religion, this was considered one of the most sinister holidays of the year. It's also one of the most important. Um, and like many of the things that the quote-unquote pagans would do, um, this had to do with the cycle of harvest. It had to do with nature, uh, based upon just what you can and cannot do. It's no surprise that it comes around the time that we today now celebrate things like you know, daylight savings time. It gets darker. Things get darker earlier in the day, and so it becomes very, very important to them to understand this is a shift from a lighter time of year to a darker time of year. And as we all know, there are creepy things in the dark. Or at least we think there are. 
Anyway, so what the belief of Samhain was, was that, that on this day, the veil between the living world, the world that we know, the world that we see, and the supernatural world becomes very, very thin. And gods and monsters walk among us on that day. Um, they believe that these these gods had decided, kind of like we do today, that it was time to cut loose and have a little bit of fun. And so they play tricks on their mortal worshippers. Um, they were not, you know, <laughs> rather benign tricks either. They would be tricks that were possibly deadly, tricks that could harm people. Um, so yeah, when, when, you know, the next time someone toilet papers your house, just realize it could have been far, far worse and much, much bloodier. So the... Um, the other continued things of this were that, that it was that there was a belief that you could perhaps scare these spirits away with bonfires, which is a favorite fall tradition, uh, at least in my part of the world here in Texas, that, uh, you know, you light a bonfire. And there's no supernatural intention behind it. It's simply a place that, you know, people gather to the fire and the flame, and it's a it's a fall thing. Like, it gives off the heat. Um, I, I attended Texas A&M University, and, and we have a bonfire. Um Ours is symbolic also of playing the University of Texas, our, our rival. Uh, it's at least what it used to be and you know, will be again soon because we're going to get to play them again for the first time in many years. But I digress. Um, the, the bonfire is a very common thing. But for the Celts, the bonfires would hopefully frighten away uh, the ghosts and monsters and demons and gods. The other aspect that we see that carries over today and perhaps the most influential aspect of Samhain that we carry on in Halloween, is the wearing of masks. There was this belief that if you wore a mask that was rather demonic or evil or dark or monstrous, then the gods and monsters that were out to hunt and trick their followers would believe that you were one of them. So you were wearing the mask not to terrify, but to protect. And there's definitely some psychological underpinnings to that one too. Um, just the idea that we often wear masks in our daily lives to protect ourselves from fear and danger. Um, so basically they believe that between the bonfires and the masks, they could ward off the attacks of evil gods or demons or monsters. Now it's also important to note that some of these early pagans also engaged in sacrifice during this time. And before you get all freaked out and scared, no, not probably not human sacrifice, most likely animal sacrifice, which at the time during the Iron Age would not have been an uncommon practice. Many world religions practiced that. Um, Judaism even practiced it for, for many, many millennia, really, uh, leading up until even the time of first century, second century um, current era. So, you know, sacrifice, human sacrifice, definitely being the one that we tend to go to for this time of year, we think that's what's going on. That's really probably not what the, the Celts were doing. In a, in a Time Magazine article, uh, one of the things that I find interesting is they do make a very important fact about this, is that um, really our records of the early Celtic festivals may not be able to be trusted. And that's simply because what we do know about them is, is coming from rival groups. Um, so because, as was tradition with the Romans or with the, you know other movements at the time, is that you took over an area, you went in, you attacked the people that were there, and you destroyed their stuff. You, you laid waste, salted the earth, as it were, so that that culture would not continue to thrive and pose a threat to you. And so as that was done, many of the actual traditions and the writings might have disappeared and be lost to history. So what we do have left over are perhaps darker versions, uh, vilified versions. And, and the Time article points that out that, um, and I quote, Roman, uh, Celtic, sorry, Roman authors would have likely trashed the traditions of a culture. Um, 
And that makes sense. I mean, we, we want to vilify the other guy. We want to make them look, you know, bad. And it be- behooved the Romans to convince their, their people that the Celts were these monstrous, demonic figures that were willing to, to slaughter innocents uh, for no good reason. While all at the same time, the Romans were slaughtering innocents for no good reason. That's kind of the way um, they did stuff. So what we can tell is that Samhain does sit right there at that that focal point of the light part of the year shifting to the dark part of the year. And, and it is called a fire festival. That's where the bonfire comes in because it is this idea that we are moving from uh, a, a time of freely moving about um, to a time of actually like true danger. Like regardless of what you think about the supernatural elements, when it gets darker and you're living in a time without electricity and without um, you know, some of the modern comforts that we enjoy that make night not so scary, it was a terrifying time. Things did get dangerous. What happens if you have to go out at night and there are no lights? Well, dangerous things happen. It's, it's personally one of my beliefs as to why we sleep at night and not during the day it has more to do with the fact that our ancestors realized if you go out in the dark and you can't see, you'll die. So you might as well lay down and take your sleep then. Uh, so I, I, you know, that's kind of my thought. Um, if I had a psychological sort of, um, I guess you say, theory that I applied to, that would be why. I think it has to do with this idea of heredity. And over millennia, we've sort of accommodated, and that's when our bodies tell us we should do this. But I'm also not a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist. Uh, this is also important to note that, um, you know, these these folks were living at a time where. Um, they believed in the supernatural. Not, not like we believe in the supernatural, where it's, it's fun for us to watch things on YouTube about ghosts and uh, we enjoy some scary movies. And, and we have our religion and we believe in our God, but it's not, there, there's a definite distinction between how we practice our religion and the people of the Iron Age did. It was uh, because they lacked a broader understanding of, of science and, and the way the world works, they had to lean on their faith. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying that as a negative. I think that's actually a, a very positive thing. I, as a person of faith, I, I believe it's important that we have our faith. And I, I sometimes wish that that we could be a little bit, and please forgive the, the use of this term, but, but ignorant of things. I, I think that sometimes that makes it easier for us to believe the outlandish and the, the supernatural aspects of, of things. Um, you know, I think if you're going to have faith, you got to sometimes put aside the ability to explain everything away. I say this, of course, I realize as I'm trying to explain everything away. So there I am being a modern person, trying to explain away the elements of a supernatural nature from my great-great ancestors of the past. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Um, but I think that's the thing. I think that, that there's not really a tremendous amount of difference between what the ancient Celts were doing with Sawain and what we do with any sort of explainer we give to rationalize what the Celts were doing. Um, we, we want answers. That, that's ingrained in, in human nature. We want, to, we want answers and we want to control and that's really what Sawain was, was they were trying to control things. They were trying to protect themselves from the dangers and the darkness of the night. Um, they would 
basically, you know, like I said, we do we do kind of know that they would sacrifice crops and animals. Again, not not like a really crazy thing at the time. It wasn't like there weren't other well-established cultures doing much the same thing. Um, but it was just that they were other than the Romans or um, whatever the dominant group that had encountered them at the time was. Um, they, you know, the bonfires were burned to protect from evil, as I said. Um, and then the tricks and the pranks. So, you know, we know trick or treat, you know, am I going to play a trick on you or am I going to get a treat from you? Uh, these were often done. And <laughs> I love this part. Again, this is from the time article. They were often done. And, um, you know, the people would say, oh, well, it was the fairies that got loose. Um, they did some, they did some tricks on you. Um, so imagine this, you have the opportunity to get back at a friend for a prank or a trick, or just because, you know, you, you want to mess with a friend and you're like, ah, it wasn't me. It was the fairies. It was the demons. It was the ghosts. It was the goblins. Um, so, you know, there you go. And that's really kind of what we do now. Like imagine, you know, of course, nowadays, if you, you know, egg your friend's house, they're, they're going to know it was you, um, because we have cameras and that really eliminates a lot of the fun, honestly. Not that I ever did that, by the way. Just just to be clear, I never pranked anybody. Okay, that's also a lie. I did once prank my youth minister. We did put uh, toilet paper in his trees. It wasn't Halloween. It was just a fun prank. And then he made us take it down. So it wasn't as much fun. Moral of the story, kids, don't play pranks. Okay, so as we move on, we're going to talk a little bit more about some other traditions that come along with Halloween. One of the other factors is that the Celts believe that because of this thinning of the, the membrane, if you will, between the living and the supernatural world, that one might be able to predict the future more freely. Um, and so that's another reason why you will see people who do believe in this, who do believe in this idea, uh, holding seances on, on Halloween, on October 31st. Um, they believe that, they're, that the, the Celts were on something, that there really is a more active supernatural state during that day. Um, having never taken part in one, nor ever intending to take in part in one, um, I, you know, I, I feel like if the Celts were onto something, then yeah, that would make sense. If you were trying to contact the dead um, and speak to them, then, you know, by all means, use that night in which they seem to be a little bit more awake and active than they would normally be. Again, that being said, I just want to caution you. I, I very much believe um, in the power of things like Ouija boards. I think they are um, touching on something. Um, and I think that while oftentimes it can be very benevolent and haha funny and let's creep each other out for no real effect, I do think that there is something that you're touching that, you know, may not necessarily have as much of a good time in mind as you do. So I think always exercise caution. I err on the side of not messing with it um, just because, you know, I think that's a that that's my personal conviction but i just a word of warning i do believe that ouija boards are real um i do believe that they actually do connect you to something um you just might not like what it is now uh, speaking of that and i mentioned that i being a person of faith and having my own convictions and and those kind of things that that kind of leads us to where uh, my own faith sort of enters the story so in 609 uh, a pope by the name of bonifaci um the fourth the fact that there were four popes named Bonifaci um, just shows how we change our naming uh, traditions. Anyway, um, on May 13th in 609, Bonifaci decided, hey, you know what? We are now moving our religion into this region where the Celts are. Um, we don't really like this tradition um, as it exists, but we also really want people to feel at home in our, in our new faith, in, in Catholicism, Christ Christianity. And so they decided to adopt many of the aspects of Samhain, of the Celtic tradition. 
they just didn't want it to still be the Celtic tradition. So Bonifaci moved the day um, to November 1st. Okay, so um, that's where we get the concept or the name Halloween. Um, and so, actually, let me pause. It was not Bonifaci. It was Gregory the Third. Pope Gregory the Third is the one who moved it to November the 1st in the mid-700s. So, you know, about 100 years later. Okay, so he did this, um, and this is where the word, the actual name Halloween really comes from, because November 1st becomes All Saints Day, which is what we recognize even to this day. And much like the Celtic tradition, it was honoring those who had died. But specifically, in this case, it was honoring the saints. It was the day in which um, those of the Catholic faith who believe that, you know, we, we pray to our saints, we, we pray to the saints that they will intercede on our behalf, that we recognize all of them, all of those who had died in the faith um, and been deemed um, holy, uh, beyond the normal stage of holy, I guess you could say. And so that's why it took on that really religious connotation. But another word for saints is hallowed, like the idea of those who were hallowed or revered. Um, and so All Hallows Day becomes November 1st. Which, if you also recognize that Eve is the night before, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, it became November, October 31st, thus became All Hallows Eve. And if you think about the way in which that word works, it sort of sounds a lot like Halloween. There we go. So that's how it gets there. Not that that's a very difficult jump or leap in logic to make, but yeah, that's where it really comes from. So we just... Anglicized it, shortened it, made it Halloween, and there it is. Now, the truth is, is that um, in some ways, I think that the move to All Saints Day really kind of backfired. Because honestly, outside of Catholicism today, not a ton of people recognize November 1st as All Saints Day. But most of the world, regardless of your religion or your belief set, knows what Halloween is. It's when you dress up in costume and you try to scare people. Um, and so we've already kind of talked about those things, but, but one element that we haven't discussed about Halloween is, is the jack-o'-lantern. Like, where does that come from? How does that connect to this particular story? So, here we go. So, in a legend that is decidedly more mischievous than it is sinister and dark, we get to the legend of Stingy Jack, which is really where the idea of the jack-o'-lantern comes from. And I find this one to be a funny story. Um, I think it's an interesting thing, and it, it, it really... Um, plays along a lot of cultural understandings of death in the afterlife. You know, specifically concepts of, of ghosts or even purgatory um, to, a, to a degree. So the story uh, actually comes from Ireland. It's an Irish myth about a guy named Stingy Jack. And Stingy Jack did not like to pay for stuff. Um, that was the thing. And so one night, uh, Stingy Jack is having a drink, and he happens to be having a drink with the devil. And he convinces the devil um, at the end of the night after having a drink to... Uh, you know, I, he didn't want to pay for it, you know. So he convinces the devil, hey, turn yourself into a coin and I'll, I'll use you uh, to pay for it. Well, the devil, of course, goes, sure, that's I'm all for trickery. So the devil turns himself into a coin. Stingy Jack picks up the coin, skips out on the bar tab, because that's what a Stingy Jack would do, and puts the coin in his pocket next to a silver cross. This silver cross, of course, keeps the devil from being able to convert, to turn back into his normal form. And then Stingy Jack having the devil quite literally in a bind, tells him, look, I'll let you go on one condition. And that condition is, is that you leave me alone for a year, okay? And if I die, you don't take me to hell. So the devil sees that he is cornered, trapped, and he 
agrees. And Stingy Jack allows the devil to go free. Well, a year later, okay, it comes back, um, the devil comes back and he's angry. Um, so Jack tricks the devil to climb up a tree to pick a piece of fruit. So at this point, I want to point out that the devil is kind of a moron. Um, you know, I don't feel like he's all that intelligent. Um, at least in the story, not so much. Um, the fact that you've been tricked once by this guy and you're going to climb up a tree because he says, Hey, I'm hungry. Give me some fruit. So the devil climbs up in the tree. And when he does, Jack carves a sign of the cross into the tree's bark thus trapping the devil in the tree. Jack is not a a dumb man, and he realizes that this, you know, jumping year from year, that's not going to work so well. So he makes the devil agree that he won't mess with him for 10 years. I'd like to point out at this point, this is might be also where we get the kind of 10-year devil's bargain thing from, like the whole idea of going to a crossroads, meeting a devil, um, you know, getting a deal for 10 years. So perhaps that's where this also stems from. So the devil agrees, uh, not because he really wants to, but because he's literally trapped in a tree. So soon after this, Jack dies. Now, obviously the devil has agreed and he may be a lot of things in these legends, but he is a man of his word or thing of his word, I guess. Um, and so he doesn't take Jack's soul to hell. Won't let him in. Okay. Um, and even if he would have, he was kind of mad. He was kind of bitter. He's like, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you doing this to me for eternity. So maybe the devil's not that dumb. And so then Jack's soul wanders its way on up to heaven, to which God says, I don't want somebody who's that trickery, like who uses that much trickery, that much deception um, to be here. So you are cursed to walk the earth for all of eternity. And he sent Jack down into the night with only a burning coal to light his way. Well, Jack decides to um, not just carry this burning coal in his hand, uh, being an undead creature, you know, he'd still, you know, that would get old. So he plucks a turnip from the ground and he carves into the turnip holes in a face and he places the coal inside the tournament, tournament, turnip and he walks around with it, carrying it around. And he still walks to this day, according to the legend. So the Irish then began to refer to his... Um, image because they, they began to see this guy. They would see some man walking with a turnip um, glowing in the night and it was Stingy Jack. And so over time, the Irish began to refer him to as Jack of the Lantern, which of course over time becomes Jack-o'-lantern. And then in a similar sort of twist to the to both the Celtic bonfires and the wearing of the masks to ward off evil spirits, um, people in Ireland and Scotland started to carve their potatoes, and their turnips into scary faces to scare away jack-o'-lantern. And so as this began to spread, they also brought it to the United States where we found pumpkins, like a a, a fruit native here to the United States, uh, to Americas, not present overseas in the United Kingdom. And so they began to carve into the much larger uh, objects, um, these scary faces, which evolved to this day. So when you when you put your jack-o'-lantern out there, you're trying to scare away a man who tricked the devil, not once, but twice. Okay, that works. Um, so I feel like that's a, that's a good, you know, that's a good plan. Try to scare that guy away. If he can trick the devil, he can probably trick you. Unless, of course, the devil is as dumb as he's made out to be in those legends. Um, you never know. The point of Halloween is this. Um, I, I think that it is a 
it is decidedly a dark holiday. It is just, there's definitely, if you look at the origins, if you look at things that have come from it, I mean, it, it spawned a whole movie series about a slasher killer um, and a dozen other stories along the same lines. It, it, there is a creepiness to the night. Um, and if you've been a listener to this podcast, hopefully for a while now, you know that I don't believe that fear is such a bad thing. I think that it's something that actually makes us feel alive and, and helps us to make good decisions. But I think that that there's also another thing about Halloween that's important, and it's, it is truly a night of release. Uh, and that's really something the Celts understood. In, in their their ancient Samhain tradition, they released from themselves this sort of this freedom. And to be truthful, like I've recently watched one of the Purge movies again in, in celebration of Halloween, and one of the characters makes the comment of, it's, it's the Purge is Halloween for adults. And the whole concept of the purge was that you release this inner demon, and and really that's kind of what the darker aspects of Halloween are: is that you sort of release inhibitions for a night and you let things go. Um, not that I'm in any way encouraging a purge-like mentality, but I definitely believe that um, putting on a costume, whether that costume is demonic and evil, or a superhero, or a firefighter, or you know, Dave down the hall because you want to make fun of your friend you know, whatever, enjoy the release of being something you're not for a night. Um, I think it's a tension valve. I think it's something that's helpful for our mental health to sometimes blow off some steam and act a little goofy. Um, it doesn't hurt. And candy tastes good. So, you know, don't splurge. Don't go crazy on, ca- on candy. Um, but definitely, you know, check those things out. You know, have some fun. Be a kid. And, and let your kid be a kid. I think that's an important aspect, too. Um, all at the same time, we, we do need to recognize that in some very ironic ways, the Celts that we labeled so uncivilized were safer than we are. I think maybe that is the modern day most terrifying thing about Halloween is that despite us thinking we are so much more civilized than these ancient cultures, they didn't have to worry about strangers stealing their children. They didn't have to worry about drugs being laced into their candy and their snacks. They didn't have to worry about the worst and most horrible monster of them all. Humankind. You see, Halloween, it is a dangerous time. But sometimes a little bit of danger makes you come alive. Makes you feel good. So be careful out there if you're going out on Halloween, if you are out there to trick or treat. Be careful, be cautious, and have fun. Happy Halloween from Urban Legends Unmasked. I am your host, Chad Lerman. And hey, if you're not going out this night uh, to trick or treat, grab a good horror story to read at home. On your Kindle, uh, you can check out Killtown, which is the story of sort of, you know, great Halloween costumed villains on their own little purge night in a small secluded Texas town, uh, seeing who can kill the most people. Um, and you can also check out Beneath These Brittle Bones, which is a classic creature horror um, in which a long dead urban legend body rises from the dead and begins to exact revenge on the descendants of those who killed it. So... Great horror stories out there available by me, Chad Lehrman, on Amazon. Check those out if you want to stay at home on this 
creepy Halloween night. <laughs>